Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Where my rebels at? You would understand that if you came to d By the way, Mike could use leaders for d next year. No. He probably could, but. Scars. T- today we're going to be talking about scars, beautiful imperfections. Now, before we even get into this, I understand that when I mention the word scars and when we talk about imperfections, there's a good number of you sitting here going, they're not beautiful. They're not. They hurt. They hold me back. They, they, they hinder me from doing what I believe I could be doing if they weren't there. My prayer is that at the end of today, we will be able to say, hey God, I'm gonna trust that what you've allowed to happen, what you've allowed to go on, to be used in your beautiful sovereign plan as you are in control. Wouldn't be the way that I would have picked it, but let's be honest, if, I would, if life would go the way I would pick it, it probably would go really, really wrong. But here's the thing. We're all united in this idea of imperfections, aren't we? We all have scars. We spend our lives trying to fix them or to hide them or to cover them up. Maybe for you it's a, it's a physical thing that you've tried to cover up or, or change or, or, or you get up every morning and, and, and you fix so that nobody ever sees it anymore. Or, or maybe it's an emotional thing, something that you've tried to overcome from your past, a hurt that was done. A situation that, that, that if you had the ability, you might even remove that person or that situation from your life. It just hurts too much. Some scars are only on the surface. They're, 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 there's that, that error in judgment, that, that lapse, that, that turn of the wheel, that, that, that had we done something different, it wouldn't have happened, but it left a mark on us. Some scars fade away over time. Other ones don't. And if we're honest and transparent, the scars, especially the deep ones, really never fade away, right? You might not see them as much, but if you have them, you know they're there. You feel them. Every scar has a story. When I came across that statement, I thought, man, this is beautiful. I I have a a buddy of mine, he loves getting tattoos or... Uh, he loved getting tattoos, and, um, and he would always tell me, listen, when you, interrupt, or when you interact with somebody and you see them, interrupt the conversation to ask them about their tattoos. Why? Because every tattoo has a story. Well, guess what? Better than every tattoo has a story, every scar has a story, especially those of us that had those little plastic, like, massive bikes that, like, you set up the hot wheel, or you set up the, the tower and the, 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 right, the, the log on top of the, the bricks or the boxes, and you, you jumped off those ramps, right? Some scars, they, they, they just come along with great stories. The other day, my wife was, was playing with my hair. Okay, she was fixing my hair, um, putting it back where it should have gone. Um, and I have a knot on my forehead, or on my, my head, uh, where, where I had, had to get stitches because I cracked my head open. It's a great story. I'm not gonna waste your time with it now, but it's a great story. Why? Because scars come with stories. We all have them. They tell stories of, of what we've faced and what we've experienced, the heartaches and the heartbreaks. Scars show us that we've lived. Scars remind us that we're not perfect. Hopefully, scars teach you something. If not, you'll, you'll get more, and typically in the same place. But all of us have them. And all of us have to come to this place where we understand that life is filled with scars. 
Matt Maher said said it this way. He said, when the world sees a scar, something ugly, God sees a story that can be used for his glory. Now listen, I completely understand and I will admit There's a bunch of you in here I don't know. We've been gone for five years and it's wonderful to be able to come back, but there's a lot of you in here I I don't know. There's also a bunch of you in here that I do know, but I don't really know all the ins and outs and things. So let me completely admit my humanity and the fact that I, I don't really know what I'm speaking into, but here's what I can know for a fact today. We all have scars. We all have those imperfections in our lives. We all have those hurts and those broken areas and, the, and those tender, tender aspects to, to what we face. And I understand that it's maybe even a little audacious of me to talk about how God can take that place of hurt and use it for his glory. But I believe with all of my heart that what God wants to do through your story and through your scars is so glorious that you might sit in here today wanting to change it, but when you get a hold of what he wants to do, you would never change it. Why? Because you can see God do amazing things through your life. We then come to a time of year right now where we get ready to celebrate the most beautiful scars in the world, right? We're getting ready to celebrate the scars of Christ, the scars of the cross, scars that would never fade, scars that as Revelation tells us, Jesus will bear for all of eternity. Over 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to this earth and he lived the perfect life, right? He lived the life that you and I couldn't. He got up and every day, whatever the father asked him to do, he did it. There was not a moment, there was not a sentence, there was not an action that God did not want Jesus to do that Jesus did not go out and do. He lived that life that we couldn't, but yet, check this out, he still had scars, Jesus still had hurts in his life. He still had things happen. See if you can identify with any of these. He lost loved ones. He was betrayed. He was abandoned by friends. He was hated by his enemies. He was mocked and gossiped about. He was ridiculed and insulted, thrown out of places and uninvited. And then at the age of 33, the world hated him so much that they, that they beat him to the point that he was unrecognizable as a man. They tortured and whipped him. They made him carry his own form of execution. And then Jesus was crucified on a cross for crimes that he never committed. The word of God tells us that that Jesus went to the cross and he shed his blood and he tasted of the death and the punishment that we, you and I, deserved. But Jesus went to the cross out of his love for you and I. Let us never forget that. The perfect son of God, the perfection of the father, God come in human flesh, was beaten, bruised, and broken, and scarred. Can you, can you just imagine with me for a second what that must have been for the disciples? Like, like just, just pause, and, and I know that it's hard for us because we sit in a place where we know the rest of the story, right? And, and, and we know that, oh, it's, hey, listen, it's all right, hold your breath, calm your pants, it's gonna be good, Jesus is gonna rise from the dead, it's gonna be all great, right? But just, just stop for a moment. The one who had come to make all things right, everything just went wrong for. They had lost their savior. They had lost the one that calmed the seas. They had lost the one that had fed the multitudes. They had lost the one that was going to make all things right. And then a woman comes and says, they've taken the body. He's resurrected. I've seen him. And they're like, no, 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 no. You must've gotten wrong. They went down and now, yeah, 
his body is gone. And we go, oh, they knew he was resurrected. Everything's good. No, they were convinced you couldn't hate him enough to just kill him. You now had to, had to desecrate the tomb and take his body. Everything was hopeless for them. Everything was lost for them. You say, Kyle, how do you know this? Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to John chapter 20. We're going to be spending time primarily in 1920 and 21. But just, just look at this for a second. And just imagine what they would have felt on that day and then in the days following. Jesus was dead, and with him seemed to go their hope. It was gone. Have you ever been in that place? You ever been in that place of just, your hope is gone. Everything seems out of control. Everything seems to just be met with hurt and bewilderment and confusion, and you're kind of looking around going, what did I do wrong, and how can I never do this again? We know that they were afraid. We know that they were in this place of doubt. Why? Because it says right here in verse 19. So when it was evening on that day, the same day that the body was gone and everything was missing, on that same day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They were afraid. The enemies of Jesus that just killed him were coming after us. There's no place we can hide. There is no hope. Everything is lost. Can you imagine that moment? And you say, I know exactly how that feels because I've been there, Kyle. I can tell you exactly how that feels because that's where I am today. I look around and I got to be honest with you. I come and I worship Jesus, but in my day-to-day life, I can't seem to find him. I can't seem to hear from him anymore. I can't seem to make sense of anything that's going on. It just hurts. It's this place of confusion and frustration They probably were bewildered, confused. Jesus was dead, really? He wasn't supposed to be dead. He healed, he brought life, he did miracles, he cured, cleansed, he set things right, he restored, he fed, he loved, he cared. He wasn't supposed to die. You ever ever be in that place where you just wanna have a kind of face-to-face conversation with God and just say, hey God, I gotta be honest with you, somewhere along the line, you got it wrong. Because it wasn't supposed to be like this. My marriage wasn't supposed to feel like this. My relationship wasn't supposed to end that way. My kid wasn't supposed to act that way. That wasn't supposed to happen to my family. Why? Because God, I did all the right things. I obeyed. I did my part. Where are you? You ever felt like that before? Can I be transparent? I've been there. Where you just kind of shake yourself and you kind of look around and go, hold up. I thought you were good. But then, suddenly, right there, Jesus shows up. Right in the midst of their fears, right in the midst of their pain, right in the midst of their brokenness. Check this out. It says that they were, the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, peace. A buddy of mine, David Martin, said it this way. He said, in times of feeling abandoned or distant from God, the question isn't proximity to him. The question is awareness of him. You see, there is not a moment he is away. There is not a moment he doesn't go with you. There is not a moment that that the presence of Jesus is not right there with you, surrounding you in the midst of your hurt, 
The question is not closeness to him. The question is, question is your awareness of him. Are you and I willing to admit to God, God, I'm going to place my hurt in your hands. God, I'm willing to place this, this wound into your more than capable sovereign hands and, and, and maybe even question you because here's the crazy thing. Jesus never turned anybody away for asking him questions. He never looked at him and said, how dare you ask me that question? I'm the son of God. He never did that. He met them right where they were, right in their hurt. And check this out, I love it, because Jesus seems to always say the perfect thing. He speaks right into their situation. He says, peace. Check this out. The same exact word he spoke to the winds and the waves. Why? Because he knew that the storm that, that they faced was greater in their hearts right now. He said, peace. Hey, can I tell you something? I believe with all my heart that, that God has me on this stage here today to speak to you in the midst of your hurt and just say, he wants to bring you peace. He wants to bring you peace right where you are, right in the midst of your situation, right in the midst of that brokenness, peace. Check this out. He doesn't yell, that, yell at them for hiding. He doesn't chide them for being afraid. He meets them right in their fears and their hurts and he speaks peace to them. There's no condemnation Jesus doesn't show up and go, are you kidding me? I told you about this. I was gonna rise from the dead. Are you kidding me? I told you I was gonna die. Don't you feel like it's that way sometimes with your kids, right? Are you kidding me? But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus doesn't show up and, and, and condemn them. Jesus literally shows up and he says, hey guys, it's gonna be okay. I got this. What a beautiful, beautiful savior we have to love us enough to speak peace right in the midst of where we are. And then check this out. What does he do? What does he do? The next verse. And when he said this to them, he showed them both his hands and his side and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Saw the Lord. You see, when you and I fix our eyes on Jesus, he takes our fears and he turns them into joy. See, that, that, that I think is the problem. Again, we fix our eyes so much so on our hurt and our brokenness, we don't look at the Savior standing in the midst of the storm. We miss the opportunity of what he's trying to do. Why? Because we're so consumed with our hurt. And he says, listen, I want to give you hope in the midst of that hurt. I want to give you trust in the midst of that hurt. I want to give you peace in the midst of that hurt. But you got to take your eyes off of focusing on that and you got to look at me. Now check this out, the sheer humility of Jesus, not to call them out for anything that he expected of them because he knew, he knew where they were, but then the humility to show them his scars, to stand there and say, hey, here they are. Now, later on, we know that uh, they, they go and they go get Thomas, why? Because Thomas wasn't there. And, and, he, and they bring Thomas back and they say, hey, Thomas, we saw Jesus. It was awesome. And he goes, I won't believe it. In fact, Thomas takes it another step. He says, I won't believe it until I put my finger in his hands and my hand in his side. How audacious is that? Like, that's just crazy. Like, I, I, I run a summer camp in the summertime. It's typically when you run a summer camp in the summertime. Um, and, and I have college students and they come and work for me and, and they, they have gauges. I don't get gauges. Listen, if you got gauges or you want to get gauges, good on you. You'll go be you, boo-boo. Okay, great, whatever. I just don't, I don't get them. I really don't get them when you take them out and they're like massive ear flaps just like hanging down. It's like those old like binders when your like page got ripped out and you had to put that little sticker thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you had to put it there. Like, I always, you know what I want? I want to walk up to them and just go, boop. 
and like put my finger in. I don't, why? Because that's weird. That's weird, but check this out. We're not talking about gauges. We're talking about the, the pain that Jesus went through and he goes to Thomas and he goes, go ahead. Go ahead. It's real. It's real, Thomas, and I'm bring, I wanna bring you peace in the midst of your hurt because I got hurt. I have, I have four awesome kids, two girls and two boys. My, my youngest two boys have zero fear. They have zero shame. They will literally walk up. You could be giving your child a balloon for the very first time. And if my, my son wants it, he'll be like, hey, can I have that balloon, please? And I'm like, Jude, like, stop. Like, we'll get you a balloon. It's okay. I, I picture, you know, just the, why? Because that's what children do. They just, they invade your space. They get up and they're not thinking, why? There is no bubble with kids. You know what I think? I believe for all of eternity, we will be like little children with Jesus just wanting to stick our finger in his and you know what I think he'll do? I think he'll let us do it. Why? Because they're beautiful scars. Because they're beautiful scars that bring us peace. What does Isaiah 53 say? By his stripes, we were healed. By his stripes, we were condemned? No. By his stripes, we were shamed? No. By his, his stripes, we were called out or told to be better people? No. By his stripes, we were healed. So I don't know where it is today for you, but those scars, those stripes, Jesus wants to bring you peace. He wants to bring you healing through them. It's almost like the disciples are looking at him, but they're wondering, is it really him? And then he proves to them that it's him. How? He shows his scars. You see, they saw the pain that he went through, and now here he stood. And this moment, this almost aha moment for the disciples, and we read it, after Jesus rose from the dead, after they saw his scars, that's when it clicks like, oh, that's right, you were gonna rise from the dead. Oh, that's right, you were, oh, that's, and you kind of look back and go, man, how foolish of us to have doubted you. And Jesus goes, no, it's okay. It's all right, and now I wanna send you out to go. You see, the disciples in this moment, when they were able to see and touch and, and, and allow God to show his scars in a, in a humble way, when, it was, when, they were, when they allowed him to do that, and he did that, check this out. They realized that the plan of God was the perfect plan of God. They realized that he had to be beaten in that way. They realized that he had to be crucified in that way. And they found joy in the midst of Jesus' pain. Check this out. I, I completely understand. There's some of you. You're not there yet. But I, I, I promise you, listen, don't trust me. You go look at it for yourself. You fix your eyes on him, you walk with him, you look at him. Listen, I believe with all my heart that you will get moments and glimpses of joy for the pain that you went through. Why? Because you see his hands all over it. And I believe you actually see his scars all over it too. Why? Because he was bruised for us. He was pierced for us. And he has this opportunity for us to bring him our Scars. The scars of Jesus are marks that remind us that our hope is eternal and our salvation is secure. Why? Because just like Jesus' scars will never fade away, when we bring him our sin, it will never get brought back up to us. When our sin was nailed to that cross, it was taken away from us. We have a hope. We have a future. Scars display a lot of things. They show your history. They show you what you've been through and what you've, what you've been connected with. They show your commitment, what you've given yourself to and what you love. And the marks of Jesus, the, the wounds, or the, excuse me, the scars of Jesus are, are scars and marks of humility and humanity. I love that he didn't show up and hide them. He showed up and he displayed them. He showed where he had been beaten and been bruised and been pierced. 
They, they displayed that he was fully God in the fact that he was standing in front of them in resurrected form, and they showed that he was fully man in the sense that he was able to be pierced and scarred. Now check this out. I used some, some language before. I want to go back to it. At the age of 33, the Bible, the word of God teaches us that Jesus, that the world hated him so much that they took him and they beat him to the point that he was unrecognizable as a man. They whipped him. They, 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 they stripped him. They, they, you know, you watch the passion of the Christ. All right, we won't get into details. But check this out. When he resurrected, all of those man-made scars were gone. But the scars that his father brought remained. Can I tell you something? Way too many of us focus on the scars that man bring us and not focus on the scars that God allowed to happen to us. Because we fix our eyes so easily on man and what man does to us instead of fixing our eyes on what God has allowed and trusting him in the midst of our pain and our fears. Can we start to evaluate our scars based on what God is doing in and through them? Not only did the scars display Jesus' humanity and humility, they displayed his, his authenticity. There was no denying. This is absolute proof. This was Jesus. There was no faking this. His scars displayed that he was exactly who he was. They saw him go to the cross, and they now saw him defeating death in the grave. They were scars of honor and victory. These were not battle wounds of defeat. These were trophies of victory. You ever interact with a soldier that lost an arm or lost an eye or, or went through the war, you, you interact with some of those guys and they are honored to show you their scars. Why? Because they gave themselves for something of honor. And so Jesus shows up and he's, he, he says, no, here it is. Here's the proof of your salvation. Here's the hope of your eternity. Here's what you can trust in. These are marks of victory. It reminds me that Satan has the greatest amount of buyer's remorse in this world. You ever think about it? We, we, have, we experience buyer's remorse all the time, right? We buy that phone and then we realize the new one just came out or is coming out in a week, right? Or you bought that house and you realize the one two doors down the road is on sale for even less, right? Or you buy the house and you realize all the cracks or the creaks or the different things in it, right? We experience buyer's remorse. Even if it's just we buy something and we go, I should have waited, right? Maybe something, maybe it's coming better. But even bigger than that, Satan has the biggest amount of buyer's remorse in the world. Why? Because God is always doing, trust me, God is always doing, check it out in scripture, God is always doing bigger and better than the evil that is coming to you right now. Let me say that again just in case you missed it or don't believe me. God is always doing bigger and better, more glorifying things for him and more good for you than the evil that Satan is intending for you right now. You say, I don't think so. Let me prove it to you. Remember Job? Remember Job and the sufferings of Job, the guy that had it all and then everything got taken away from him? He lost his family, he lost his riches, he lost his home, he lost it all, he lost his health. What happens? Satan strolls into heaven and says, hey, uh, you know, what's going on? God goes, check out Job. And then all this bad stuff happens. What happens at the end of the story of Job? He gets twice as many kids because he still has his kids in heaven. He has twice as many riches, twice as many cattle, twice as many goodness. And Job at the end of his story looked back and said, thank you God for allowing this to happen in my life. I think Satan walked in the next day and Jesus said, hey, uh, you still checking out Job? What about Peter? Remember that moment that Jesus went, to, Jesus went to Peter and said, hey, Peter, Satan's trying to sift you as wheat. Hey, Peter, watch out. Satan's trying to get you to deny me. What happened? Peter denied Jesus. In fact, I believe that scripture positively demonstrates that Peter's denial of Jesus was worse and way more public than Judas's betrayal of Jesus. So Peter's done, right? Oh no, 
Read a little farther in the story. Peter explodes upon the scene with this place of repentance and, and, and reconnection to Jesus in his life. So much so that he starts a revolution of the gospel that changes humanity all over. Why? Because he allowed his scars of defeat to be used as peace offerings to the world. David defeats Goliath. Daniel turns the lion's den into a petting zoo. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand and make it through the fiery furnace. And Jesus, oh yeah, Jesus, the son of God, beaten and destroyed and taken down, hung on a cross. What happens? Three days later, he erases from the grave and he changes that our heart becomes hope. Ladies and gentlemen, God has always got something better and grander than whatever evil God, uh, Satan is bringing into your life right now. Well, how about today? 1 John chapter two tells us this, even today, even right now, he says this, he says, my little children, I am writing to you these things so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins or when you do sin, which you will, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Jesus, scripture tells us, literally sits and stands at the right hand of the Father, defending you and I. And you know what I think happens in scripture? Just like when he stood before those people trying to accuse him of crimes before he went to the cross, he stood silently and didn't even say anything because he knew this was where God was taking him. I believe that in heaven today, when Satan gets up and accuses and condemns and brings your sin to the Father, Jesus doesn't speak a word. He just shows his scars. He says, no, paid for no, that one, they've trusted in me as their savior. Hey, Father, nope, taken care of. Nope, fully wiped clean. Hey, hey, Lord, hey, Father, what sin? See, all Satan wants to do is condemn you and all Jesus wants to do is bring you hope. How does he do it? He does it through the scars. The scars of Christ remind us that our hope is eternal and our salvation is secure. And now, here Jesus, resurrected, new body, walks over and says, hey gentlemen, remember, it is finished. Jesus had taken their brokenness and our brokenness upon him. J.S. Park says it this way, in heaven, there will only be one person with scars. It'll be Jesus. You will have none because he will have taken yours. Isn't that amazing? Man-made scars of beatings gone the God-provided scars of, of healing and hope to the world remain. Why? Because not only do they tell us that our hope is eternal, you know what they also tell us? They remind us that we're not abandoned and alone in the midst of our suffering. Just like we suffer, Jesus suffered. Just like Jesus went through hardships, we go through hardships. There are times and there are things in our lives that we sit there and we say, Jesus, you just don't understand. And he says, no, yes, I do. I think it's absolutely amazing and beautiful in scripture that anytime Jesus encounters somebody that's hurting, he doesn't look at him and just quote a Bible verse and go, it's gonna be okay, move on. He doesn't come up to somebody who's hurting and, and, and just in need of help and go, fix yourself, move on, clean yourself up and then come and hug me. No, Jesus literally time and time again comes to those people who are broken and dirty and diseased and wraps his arm around them and says, I understand. I understand. You got family problems? Jesus says, I understand. You got relationship problems? Jesus says, I've been, my heart's been broken too. You've been gossiped about, you've been rejected, you've been uninvited, you've been unincluded, you've been excluded? Jesus says, I understand. You got a hurt going on in your life? Jesus says, I know. And I wanna use it in a way to display the goodness and the glory of God. 
Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 says this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things that we are yet without sin. Jesus faced every bit of hurt and every bit of pain that we face in life. Life has scars because of sin. We said this before, but he lost loved one. He would portrayed, he was abandoned. And check this out, when he showed them his scars, John 20, 20, when he showed them his scars, they rejoiced. Why? Because we have a sympathetic savior. We have a savior that meets us right in the midst of our pain. He doesn't stand away and go, man, that stinks, that's hard. No, he goes, I understand. How many times do we see God again and again hurting with the helpless? I think of that scene with Lazarus. Jesus shows up and what happens? What do we see? He weeps. He weeps because of the loss of his friends. He weeps because of the hurt of the people around him. He weeps because his heart is broken. And I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your hurt, he weeps with you. Because he's our suffering, sympathetic savior. Their joy was abundant. Their suspense was at an end. Their fears were dispelled. Their, their dim hopes realized. Their belief in his protections established. Their pleasure in his society rewarded, uh, uh, renewed. Their confidence in his divine mission revived. What a beautiful place to watch Jesus show up in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our scars, and to speak words of peace to us and to bring joy. I don't know about you, but there are times that I've just, I've been hurt and I've looked around and said, Jesus, where are you? And he comes along and he puts his arm around. And he says, I'm right here. I'm right here. A couple months ago, I had the loss of a, of, of a close dear friend. Can I tell you, there was one, that was one of those times I looked up. I said, Jesus, I think you got it wrong. He says, no, trust me. Can I be honest with you? I'm not seeing a lot of his fingerprints, but I'm seeing some of them and I'm excited to see more. I'm excited to see what he's doing. Why? Because I can trust the hand of my savior. You ever be in a place where you've watched somebody go through hurt and you've wanted to take it from them? About a month and a half ago, my four-year-old little boy in the middle of our weekend of, of winter camp was run over by a golf cart. Now, he's okay. Let me fast forward. He's okay. But can I tell you that six to eight hours of us, of us just waiting was the worst thing I could have ever imagined. I, I looked at the ambulance, the ambulance came and, and, and I looked at my wife and we, they backboarded him and, and, they, and they put him and I'm asking the ambulance guy going like, just give me a shred of hope. And he's like, bro, I'm not gonna tell you something that I, I don't know. Like we, we check this, we check this, we check this, but I think we need to take him. I said, no, 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 you take him. I put my wife on the ambulance. I looked at her and I said, you got your cell phone, stay in contact with me. She goes, my phone's dead. I said, are you kidding me? And then I sang a Bible verse to me and everything was okay. And I was perfect, right? I said, are you kidding me? I was like, babe, this is not the time. She goes, it's dead. What do you want me to do? I said, make it alive. I then had to round up the other three children. I had to find a babysitter, go and drop them off at the house. And then I had to drive an hour and a half knowing nothing. Not able to find out any little bit of information about my little boy. Can I tell you in that car ride again and again and again, I prayed, God, give me his pain. God, if there's any way you can do it, God, would you give me his pain? God, if there's any way that you, that you in your divine goodness would spare my little boy, God, would you do it? But God, if, even if you need to hurt me so that he's okay, God, hurt me. Have you been there? Before that, while we were still waiting for the ambulance to come, my wife went and just laid down on the ground next to him and just, just 
kept on saying to him again and again and again, I love you, buddy. Hey, we're here. I love you. Hey, we're here. I'm so sorry this happened. I love you. Why? Because all of us understand that we watch somebody going through pain and we do everything we could to take it on ourselves. Check it out. Jesus did that very thing. He took our pain. He took our sin. He took the thing that we could never cleanse and make right and he put it on himself. Why? Because in the midst of his pain, he can offer us peace. And you say, that's great for my salvation. And I go, no, that's great for your two-day-ation. Jesus didn't just save you from your sins so that you could hurt in the midst of your pain now. He saved you from your sins so he could still offer you hope in your today. What a beautiful place. Jesus left the glory of heaven to be with us, to know our pain, to take our sin, to bear our scars. He willingly went to the cross knowing all that he was taking on, gladly taking it in love. And there is nothing that we can bring him that he won't forgive. There is nothing that we could do that would change his love for us or make him regret a moment of the cross for us. No, the scars of, of Jesus remind us that we are not alone or abandoned in our suffering. But lastly, the scars of Jesus display that even our darkest days can be used to shine the brightest light and bring peace to others. Louis Giglio said it this way. He said, the enemy wants to define you by your scars, but Jesus wants to define you by his. Another guy said it this way. Your scars could be your greatest ministry. And again, I'm kind of circling on back, but I want to tell you, I believe with all my heart, the world is watching you and your scars and your hurts and your pains could be the greatest ministry that you have in the lives of others. Why? Because they're watching you and they're kicking your tires and they're going, okay, you say you believe Jesus. You say you trust Jesus. How about now? How about today? You see, when we react like the world and, 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 and don't let go things or, or, or offer them to Jesus, they go, hey, that's exactly how we are. I guess Jesus isn't real. But when we, in a way that is so audacious, not like, okay, Lord, everything's okay. I'm just gonna move on. No, no, no. Bring our hurts and our tears and our fears and go, can I be honest with you? I'm not sure how it's gonna work out, but I'm looking to the author and finisher of my day and my pain. I'm trusting him. You see, here's the deal, guys. The world doesn't need perfect Christians. They need real Christians. They need real people that are willing to, to shed some tears in the midst of their hurt and not just go, God's gonna make everything is okay, let's smile. They don't need you to quote a Bible verse at them and then walk away. They need you to hurt with them. Check this out. Jesus meets them in the midst of their pain and their hurt and he offers them words of peace. He offers them a sympathetic savior and shows them his scars. And then he looks at them and he says this. John chapter 20, verse 21, he says this. So Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I send you. Now, sometimes we kind of like, you know, split these up and go, okay, he showed up and he, and, he, and he showed his scars and that's great. And then we bring this verse up in missions. Here's the deal. You know what I think Jesus is saying? No, no, no. It's all one thought. Just like God sent me to this earth and I went through pain and now I'm bringing peace to the world. Hey, you who believe in me and are following me, understand you're gonna go through pain. Now use that and go offer peace to the world. Allow me in my divine sovereignty and control to bring things into your life, to create you to be less like yourself and more like me and bring hope to the world. You go, I don't know and understand how that looks. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I don't either. But here's the problem. There's a world of difference between wounds and scars. 
You ever meet somebody that can't stop living in the past? Stop nudging your spouse. You know what the difference between a wound and a scar is? A scar is a wound of the past that's been healed. The problem is a wound stays a wound when you keep picking at it. When you won't let it go. When you won't offer it up. When you won't put that medicine on it. When you won't stop you know, scratching it or, or, or going after it. Listen, you've got to bring your, your wounds to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you to be the author and finisher and physician of my life. And I need you to make this wound closed up and a scar. Does that mean it's not gonna hurt anymore? No, there'll be still days it hurts. But I believe that when the world sees us allowing God to close up our wounds and make them scars, we can say, he's good. And he's doing a work. And I can trust in him. Check this out. Jerry Bridges said it this way. He said, God never wastes pain. He uses it to accomplish his purpose. And his purpose is for his glory and our good. Therefore, we can trust him when our hearts are aching and our bodies are racked with pain. Can I tell you something? I don't know why God's allowed the painful situation in your life. I don't understand it. I don't agree with it like you don't agree with it. But I promise you, if he's allowed it to happen, he's brought it for your good and he's brought it for the glory of Christ and he's brought it to bring peace to other people. What the disciples saw that day changed them forever. It sent them out to go and bring others to bring their wounds to Jesus. And now God has sent us into the world to be not perfect, but to be his broken voice, to be his broken hands, to be his broken love, to display the scars of life to the world and show him that he's still good in the midst of them. To draw others to the cross, to show them that we trust him, to show them that, yeah, life is real when it sucks, but we can keep going. To turn others to the one that can heal their wounds to the one that calls us out of the grave and into freedom and forgiveness. Now I understand you're sitting here going, this is kind of an Easter message and it kind of is an Easter message. It's an Easter message to the disciples to go out and bring other people with wounds back in on Easter in two weeks. Because I guarantee you, you got neighbors and you got friends and you got family all around that have wounds that they're scratching at that can only be healed by the forgiving cross of Jesus Christ. So let's stop picking at our scars Let's surround ourselves with people that will pray for us and maybe even hold our hands so we stop scratching them. And we bring them to the Savior and say, Lord, I know you were wounded. God, I'm wounded. I need you to heal me up. God, I need you to help me through this. God, would you help me see other people's wounds and bring them to you as well? God wants to use you to bring hope to the world. The scars of Jesus are marks that remind us our hope is eternal and our salvation is secure. The scars of Jesus remind us that we're not alone in our abandoning or suffering. God, uh, the, the scars of Jesus display that we can use our darkest days to shine the brightest lights. All scars tell a story. My question is, whose story will your scars tell? Who will your scars tell of? Jesus, I, I come to you today Father, in a place that I, I admit I, I don't understand everything that you're doing. God, I don't under, understand everything that I'm speaking into, but God, I believe with all my heart that, that you have something so much greater and so much better than anything that this world wants us to complain about. God, I believe you have something so much better and so much greater than any hurt that ever happens in our lives. And so, Father, today I pray that we would bring you our wounded scars. Father, I pray that today we would bring you the hurts and the pains 
and allow you to speak peace in the midst of our storm. Father, I pray that you would do what only you can, that you would heal wounds and use them as we offer peace to the world through your son, Jesus Christ. When your head's bowed and eyes still closed and just taking some time, we're, we're, we're gonna sing a song. It's called So Will I. And that last little bit, it says, God, you left the grave behind you, so will I. God, you left your wounds behind you, so will I. Would you take a moment right now in the quietness of your own heart and just get real with God and say, God, here's a wound I need to bring to you today. God, you know the situation, you know the hurt. You know maybe the conversation I gotta have, but God, here it is, because as you want to use your peace to impact the world, God, I'll do it, so will I. Jesus, would you do something great? Would you do something amazing? Because you're a great and an amazing God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read you something before we sing. All scars tell a story. Stories of wounds suffered. Some of them outside, some of them inside. Our individual scars tell the story of our very lives. But there are scars that tell a very different story. A story that begins and ends with love. God created humanity to live in a loving relationship with their creator. But love is a choice. And we chose to leave that relationship and thus wounding ourselves with sin and death and separation from God. It was a wound that would never heal except by an unimaginable act of love. So Jesus, God's only begotten son, left the glories of heaven, walked amongst us, went to the cross, placing humanity's sin upon himself and suffered our consequences. He tasted of our death. He tasted of our separation from the father. God made the ultimate sacrifice through his son, Jesus Christ, dying in our place to forgive our sins and to heal our wounds. Three days later, Jesus took up his life for the magnificent resurrected body, perfect in every way except for one. His scars remained. The marks of his sacrifice made for us to return us to our Heavenly Father's love endured and will never fade away. And because all scars tell a story, we are reminded that our scars tell a story of pain and hurt and bitterness and brokenness. But the scars of Jesus Christ tell of love and healing and forgiveness. And so now and for all eternity, ladies and gentlemen, the scars of Jesus tell and sing and preach to us a story of love that will never fade away and will always endure and always come after you. And so ladies and gentlemen, let us rejoice with one another today. Would we stand together and sing, so will I, so will I. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.